The button is pushed. We are here at Momocon 2013 uh, with the awesome cast and the Chainsaw Buffet. Hello. With the amazing and wonderful Mark Meir. Oh, hello. Thank you for using those adjectives. Well, you did ask. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, as requested, those adjectives were used. So, Your Excellency. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You probably know him as Commander Shepard from Mass Effect, but he's also done other roles in Bioware games and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's get straight brass tacks. What everyone always wants to know, how you land the role of Commander Shepard. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, I talked to my agent and they got me an interview and the interview went well and so I got the job. No, no, I want to hear the truth. That by the truth, I want lies. Where the bodies are buried, where, who would you have to sleep with, what dogs you had to eviscerate, the real deal. I had to sleep with some dogs, to be honest. No, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't have to sleep with anyone. It was sadly, uh, the standard, I went to an audition. Uh, but, uh, I guess it, it goes back, uh, a number of years before Mass Effect. Uh, my very first work with Bioware was around 1999-2000 in the Baldur's Gate games. Uh, it was in Baldur's Gate 2 specifically. And, uh, I, my, so my first work with Bioware was a single line in the final cutscene of the game. So you had to beat the entire game just to see me as an evil cleric plotting briefly uh, and saying one line. However, uh, the guys at Bioware kind of noted that uh, I was like a Dungeons and Dragons player, that I, you know, I was a geek myself and we sort of had a shorthand. So they were able to, you know, call me in for like Neverwinter Night stuff and Baldur's Gate things uh, and be able to put me in the booth and go, okay, this guy's a 15th level paladin. And I'd go, oh, okay, so he's lawful good. He probably has a Holy Avenger, that kind of thing. So I think being a nerd kind of helped me get more and more Bioware work. And so uh, the next game that I did after that was uh, Baldur's Gate throne of ball uh did i played got to play Siric, the god of murder uh that was thrilling for me because you know i was a dungeons and dragons player i'd read forgotten realms books and i knew who Siric was so to actually get to play him was was pretty neat and they just kept calling me back for work on jade empire i did demo work on knights of the old republic uh when it came to mass effect i was actually already working on the project before i got cast as commander shepherd i was uh, the guy who was determining how all the alien races would sound and this is just in like the concept art stage, like this is just like looking at you know pictures of Salarians and and you know Turians and deciding how the various alien races would sound. Uh, and so I'm the reason that, for example, the Volus have that <laughs> wheezy sound, and uh, you know some of it is fairly self-explanatory. Like yeah, Krogans are probably going to have big, deep, guttural voices, that kind of thing. Uh, so during that process, I was asked to audition for the lead and. I'll be honest, I didn't think I was going to get it. I, I thought, well, that's all well and good, but we all know that I'll just end up doing aliens and monsters like in all the other games. Uh, and uh, then I got a callback. And you know, again, I didn't think much of it. It's like, all right, I'll do this callback, and then we'll get on to the aliens and monsters. Uh, and I kept getting another callback and eventually was cast. And uh, no one was more surprised or pleased than I was. Uh, and that said, I still got to play aliens and monsters too. So, um, yes. One of your bios said you'd been with... Uh, Rapid Fire Theater since like 1992. Mm-hmm. How how long have you actually been been doing improv, and how did you get started doing that? Uh, well, improv was something that I came to later than most folks because a lot of folks do uh, improv in high school, you know, in drama class and things like that. But I didn't take drama in high school. Uh, my my school didn't offer it as an option. I was I went to school in a small town, and I even had to take art by correspondence. Uh, so. 
improv was uh, was foreign to me. I didn't really know. I was a huge fan of like sketch comedy, you know, SCTV, Monty Python. Uh, but uh, I didn't really have any improv experience at all. It was a show that I did when I moved to Edmonton uh, called uh, the uh, – it was at the Teen Festival of the Arts. It was a sketch comedy show that was being cast and directed by a uh, established Edmonton comedy troupe called Three Dead Trolls in a Baggie. They had their own show on CBC for a while. And they were casting teens uh, in this show that the teens would write and perform in and they would direct. And this uh, – this was basically, you know, my gateway into improv because I got cast in this show and improv was recommended as a great way to generate material for sketch comedy and they referred us to Rapid Fire Theater. And once I started doing improv, I just loved it and uh, and really never looked back. So uh, that's still what, uh, what I do most, improv theater. So you play D&D. I play D&D. Which is your favorite version? Uh, I'm an old school guy. I'm going to, yeah, because I'm old. Uh Second edition, you know, was was the one that I I tended to play. Uh, you know, I but I you know I played back in the days of like Unearthed Arcana when comeliness was still a stat. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've I've been playing since like first edition. Uh, I guess I never really uh, I haven't played fourth edition yet. I've uh, I got up to about three point five. Uh, and again, you know, I didn't even play that much three point five. But I'm the kind of guy who you know when new systems come out, I just buy the rule books and read them. You know, even right. even though I never play the game. Uh, so I, yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't got into Pathfinder or, uh, or fourth edition. Uh, I, I do hear rumors of, you know, D&D fifth edition coming, coming around the bend. So we will see. But for now, I just, I read old 3.5 rule books. And it, it's funny, actually, I just worked on, uh, the Baldur's Gate enhanced edition from Overhaul Games. And they it, again, it was Baldur's Gate was some of my first video game voice work ever. So it was kind of cool to come full circle, go back to the Forgotten Realms. Uh, and in the latest, uh, game, I play the new uh, NPC character. Uh, he's a monk, uh, Rasad uh, in Bashir, and uh, also Baloth, uh, the entertainer. He's a drow sorcerer and the main bad guy of uh, the Black Pits, which is the new sort of uh, gladiatorial module that's uh, in the enhanced edition. So getting to uh, go back to Dungeons and Dragons and and play these guys again, and especially because Baldur's Gate does use second edition rules, like you know fighters still have percentile strength and that kind of thing. That's uh, that's kind of like a trip down memory lane. Um, I was reading that you had co-created the uh, three long forms in improv: Giant Robot, the Herald of Galactus, and Improvised Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find where it explained what those were. Could you explain any or all of those, especially Improvised Dungeons and Dragons, how that works? Oh, sure, sure. Well, uh, Giant Robot, uh, first of all, was that's a two-man form that my, me and my friend Bill Minsky, uh, he currently lives in Vancouver, uh, that we developed. It was basically uh, an improvised B-movie. We'd uh, we'd just start off. We wouldn't even know what kind of movie it was. We'd always just get the, the opening image of the film. And, uh, and then we would improvise from there. And sometimes it would be like 20 minutes in before we realized like, oh, this is a werewolf movie. Or it's like, oh, this is like, uh, you know, a small town where everybody's a cannibal movie. Or, and again, it would, the, the entire concept behind that was always movies that you'd see at a drive-in. Uh, and, you know, so they tended to be like genre pieces and, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, that kind of thing. The Herald of Galactus is a improvised superhero, uh, comic book that me and my friend Chris Craddock created. 
And uh, Chris gets credit for the uh, hilarious name. If you know both improv and comic books, The Herald of Galactus is a funny title, trust me. Uh, and basically, we get from the audience a superhero, a new superhero that's never been seen before. We often ask people, you know, like, when you were younger, did you make up a superhero of your own? And so we'll we'll get the name of, you know, someone's childhood superhero that they, you know, the comic that they made when they were a kid. And then we will show the entire career of that superhero. Uh, but the, the way that we do it is sort of not necessarily in linear order. It's that, as if you imagine that you had like a huge stack of comics with every published appearance of that superhero. And so the first one that you read might be one from the 70s, but then you read one from like the 1930s, uh, the Golden Age comics, and then you're reading like the grim and gritty 80s period. And so you're jumping around in time. You're seeing that hero's history, but you're also, in a sense, seeing the history of comics, you know, like the, in the 1950s when it's like Red Scare comics and then back to the 40s where it's like all the villains are Nazis. And, yeah. So uh, it's lots of fun. It's, uh, we do that uh, quite often. We often do it at the Fringe Festival, uh, Theater Festival in Edmonton. And then lastly, Improvised Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, credit should be given to uh, the folks in Winnipeg because uh, they actually are the first ones that I was aware of that uh, did Improv Dungeons and Dragons. Our format is a little different. They they go all out. They have like full costumes and paper mache monsters and, and all kinds of things like that. Ours is a little different. Uh, I wanted to make, I'm the dungeon master in, in our version, the version that Rapid Fire Theater does. Uh, I wanted to make it as much like D&D as, as possible in that I'm the dungeon master, so I'm basically everyone that the players encounter. So I'm the monsters and, you know, the, the bad guys, but I'm also like all the townspeople, you know, the king that gives them their mission, their mentors, all, all that kind of stuff. But the, the, and so I'm in something fairly neutral, just like a black robe. But the players are in full costume with all their weapons, all their equipment, all their magic items, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So yeah, when the wizard is like reading scrolls, he's got to like, you know, rip up his scroll because it doesn't work anymore. And, yeah. And they have to, you know, like, there's they are in Dungeons and Dragons rules, so it's like once the wizard casts a spell, it's like okay, we got to camp for a night so I can relearn all my spells, and and we actually went to the trouble of you know I had all the the players over uh, for beers to my house one night, and we actually rolled up their characters, and just by happenstance, uh, it managed to work out so perfectly. Like you know, the wizard actually rolled. A six strength and a six constitution, and uh, the fighter rolled a really low wisdom, and, <laughs> and he plays it to the hilt because you know he's he's kind of the leader of the. He has great stats, except like a wisdom of about seven or eight, uh, so he just always charges in through doors without checking for traps, and always gets you know turned to stone or something like that. Uh, and yeah, so it's a really fun format to do. It's essentially playing Dungeons and Dragons on stage for a paying audience. <laughs> the dream, so, yes. <laughs> So now Mass Effect 3 is wrapped up. Mm-hmm. You even did the final um, Citadel DLC. Yeah, final DLC just came out this week. And I know they're working on something else for Mass Effect. What would you like to see Bioware... Where would you like to see Bioware take Mass Effect? Well, that's the thing. Like They could take it in almost any direction. The, it's one of the most fleshed out and fully realized fictional universes that that's shown up recently. And uh, they've done so much work into it, the backstory of the universe, the various alien races and planets and, and the history. So they could literally take it anywhere. I mean, we could see a prequel game that's like a first contact war game. You could go, if you wanted to, you could go thousands of years later. Uh, you could go, uh, you could do things that are happening during uh, the Reaper War. Uh, the sky's the limit, really. You could do, almost, it's like, it's like saying, well, what do you want to see for the next Star Wars movie? It's like, oh, you could go anywhere, really. Old Republic, you could do uh, the storylines that have been explored in the novels. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, pretty wide open uh, as far as where they could go. 
I think they should explore the character of Shepard much more. And no, <laughs> I do know that. And, you know, I'm not giving anything away because they have stated the Shepard trilogy is over. Shepard's story is complete. But again, it's such a fully realized universe that uh, there's a lot of stories left to be told. Do you play as male Shep or femme Shep? I do play as male Shep. I, yeah. Cause it's, it, you know, I'm a nerd myself. So like getting to be the main character in a video game is, uh, yeah. How can I, how can I not play as myself? That said, of course, Jennifer Hale's work is fantastic. And I was a fan of hers even before I got this gig. Cause yeah, I watch a lot of superhero cartoons. And of course, she's a very prolific voice actor, done a lot of work for the, the old uh, DC universe cartoons and now on, uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So yeah, I've, uh, it's, Quite an honor, actually, to get to be the other half of Jennifer Hale. Um, I, I, I've heard that you are an action figure collector, or at least were. I am. I still am. Yeah. I customize as well. Holy crap. <laughs> Damn you for doing it all. Uh, what can you say? Making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> what, um, what do you collect principally? Uh, mostly superhero stuff. Uh, but I don't really discriminate between Marvel and DC. I've never really played favorites. It's like, yeah, if it's superheroes, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll read it. Uh, so yeah, large, large Marvel collection, large DC collection, a lot of horror stuff as well. Uh, Lord of the Rings, but, uh, specifically bad guys. I, I should mention, yeah, even in the superhero stuff, I, I do tend to gravitate towards the villains. As God intended. As God intended, yes. Yeah. So, you know, Doctor Doom, uh, Bizarro, Black Adam, these are the guys that I like. So, say, the Reaper threat invades Momocon. Mm-hmm. Who would you pick from the convention to be your crack team to take out the Reaper threat? Well, I would be remiss if I did not include uh, Jennifer Hale and Steve Bloom. So, you know, they are my castmates, so I, they, I'd have to include them. They're, they probably know as much about Reapers as I do, so... <laughs> And then my oh, and and also, you know, I'm also friends with uh, the fine folks from Archer, uh, Lucky Yates and Amber Nash. So yeah, I I throw them in on the team too. Yeah, definitely. So, important question: your favorite candy and or sweet? Favorite candy and or sweet? I'm usually more of a savory guy. I'll usually go for a bag of chips as opposed to a chocolate bar. But you know, I've got uh, actually I quite like flake bars. They're uh, they're a British uh, confection. They're they're very messy to eat. Because they're just flaky chocolate. I like those. Uh, and, you know, anything fun size. Because, hey, it's fun. It's the size of fun. You are a self-professed nerd geek. Mm-hmm. And, and don't hit this the wrong way. Also, a handsome person. Oh, well, thank how, you. Please. How do you manage to hold those two things in tension? Um, <laughs> since they are so diametrically opposed. I, you know, I, I'm just a geek, and if people think I'm handsome, I don't know. It's like, hey, that's your problem. <laughs> so you don't meet uh, people, and they're like, hey, that guy's nice. I, I, mean, I don't you know. You say something nerdy, and they're like, oh, I have misjudged. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't think of myself as a handsome guy. I don't know. I'm just, a, I'm, this is what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> swear I'm not. I do know that I am a geek, though, because, you know, I could try to deny it, but my action figure collection would say otherwise. <laughs> And finally, and I know this is something that um, he's not here, but John always likes to ask, is there any cause or, you oh, know, yeah. charity or anything that you really like to support that you're really going to go about? Oh, uh, causes and charities, yeah. I mean, I've done, uh, in the course of, uh, of working on Mass Effect, I've come in contact with a couple of charities that I've done some work for and raised some funds for. Uh, there's Child's Play, 
which is uh, quite a worthy cause. They raise money for sick kids. They basically to provide video games and entertainment for for kids that are in hospital, you know, and uh, also Gamers for Sandy Hook. That's a charity that I've been involved with recently. Uh, this was uh, after the Sandy Hook tragedy. Uh, basically, some gamers just came forward to try to raise some money. Uh, for the families, for a possible memorial, and and again, it was the whole purpose of it wasn't to you know combat this idea that uh, you know video games cause violence or anything. No, they, their whole purpose was just to try to help if they could. And uh, I understand they just recently uh, reached their goal of five thousand uh, dollars, and they have uh, they've moved beyond that actually. And uh, I'm not the only person that's uh, from the video game industry that's uh, thrown their support behind this. Uh, Elias Tufexis uh, as well, uh, Sam Hulick. Uh, Gwendolyn Yo, and uh, yeah, there was quite a number of uh, of people. They're uh, gamersforsandyhook.org, I believe, is their website. Well, thank you very much for talking with us. Not at all, my it's pleasure. Been an absolute pleasure. Oh yeah. And um, thanks, and hope you uh, the rest of the con is even more amazing. Thank you. I've been enjoying myself so far. I don't know how it's going to top this, but <laughs> hopefully you're able to pull it off. I mean, off. yeah, obviously this is the high point. Everything well, is yes. downhill. Yeah, Maybe I mean, the rest of your life. Who knows? We should have saved this for the end. We really should have. Deathbed interview is really what it should have been. <laughs> I, we apologize. That's no, that's, that's all right. It's, that's all right. It's my own fault. It's my own fault for agreeing to this. You're Canadian <laughs> and you're nice. It's, it was, it's ingrained in you. Was it? Thank you. And thank you, gentlemen. Doo 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 do